HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. I'm Lou Bank. I am Charpity One. And I'm Dan Saladino. And this is a very special Agave Road Trip, the critically acclaimed award-winning podcast that helps Green Gang bartenders better understand Agave, Agave spirits, and rural Mexico. And I have no idea what we're going to talk about. Perfect. <laughs> so yesterday we had the honor of, and I, I'm an idiot that I didn't get a, a video of this, but we had the honor of of being there for Dan Saladino, famous BBC food reporter, Dan Saladino, drinking his first taste of pulque. It was a moment. Yeah, it was, I might even say it was a religious experience. Okay, I, I can't tell if you're being jokesy like us or if you really mean that. <laughs> uh, no, I, it was special in that I think what I was tasting was something that people had been consuming, drinking for thousands of years. Not the same batch, but... No. <laughs> Wonder what that tastes like now. Right. But, uh, yeah. no, this idea of interacting with these amazing plants and actually manipulating them, cutting them in a certain way where they would... This 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 phrase that came up yesterday when we were with one of the pulque... Uh, Ruth Reina. Ruth, yeah. yeah. Reina Cortez. The, the pulque producers. Can I say that? I yeah, think yeah, from yeah. The producer. Sure, sure. Um, she was saying about the agave cry, crying sugar or there were yes. tears of sugar coming from the plant. And to think that in arid conditions, near desert conditions, people would have discovered that if you cut a plant in a certain way, you could go back not once a day, but twice a day to drink from it and have sugars from it and food from it. It was a food that must have enabled people to live and survive in some really seemingly inhospitable places. So it was a magical moment. Yeah. It, and, and so you and I were just chatting about that as I was trying to figure out uh, episodes that we could record while we're driving <laughs> a very far distance. And, uh, and, I, and, and I asked you, is there anything that you can think of? That one of the things that I love about pulque, right? is that it doesn't travel. It's frustrating for me because I want to drink it every day at home in Chicago. And the only pulque that makes its way to Chicago isn't pulque. It's been pasteurized. It's lost all of that heart. 
And so I was wondering, are there any other drinks like that that you've seen on your travels where it's a, it's a drink of the place, of the moment, and you have to be there to have it? Yeah. And I think so much of what we now see is drink traditions, yeah. and I, it's certainly from my part of the world, uh, and in eating to extinction, for example, there's the story of peri pears being transformed into the drink peri. And these are ancient trees, um, huge, that would grow between 200, 300 years old. That's a drink of a place, but because of the way in which it's fermented and with more recent technology bottled, yeah, you can store that and that can travel. Yeah, you can bring the place to you. Absolutely. Um, The one that comes to mind as one that is not only a drink of place, but it probably is impossible for it to leave that place, is when I was with the Hadza hunter-gatherers around Lake Yassi in Tanzania, East Africa. Name dropper. Well, and these are some of Africa's last hunter-gatherers. Just 200 people who practice no form of agriculture. But they have food all around them. Uh, And one of the important sources of food are the baobab trees. Again, these are huge trees that grow to a very, very uh, old age. And what falls from the ground are these uh, these shells, um, which contain... Like, like coconut shells? Well, they're, they're not, not as hard. You have to break them with your feet. Oh, and okay. uh, they're smaller than coconut shells. So, yeah, like a, um, a, a, a less hard, solid version of a coconut. Um, like a gourd. Yeah, like a gourd. Okay. Yeah, and they're full of seeds. Okay, so and, definitely. Yeah, wow. Well, okay. And but also that it's the flesh within uh, the baobab pod that is mm. it's it's really zingy. It's mm-hmm. like drinking or, or eating a, a vitamin C tablet, for example. Mm-hmm. Got it. Which kind of like the way you're describing it, Java. Back me on this one. Oh. Kind of sounds like the mucilage from the cacao pod. Uh, no, 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 because I've tried that as well, and it, that's fleshy and fruity. Yeah. This is quite dry and desiccated. So what oh. they do is they take this and they add it with water, they and stir it up, and you end up with a milky, whitish drink that f- tastes alive in your mouth. Oh wow! Oh. And sometimes they'll add honey because another food that you get from the baobab tree is honey from the bees' nests. Yeah, and I tell the story in the book of the hunter-gatherers whistling, attracting a bird that will lead them to the bees' nests. I love that. That that was one of the tricks that I really wish I had when I was a child. (laughs) (laughs) Being able to have a conversation with a bird that could take you to the good stuff. (laughs) What you would need, Chava, is a bird that would take you to Mezcal. Yes. Or or Agave. Hummingbird. (laughs) Sorry to Yeah, But no, this is such an important food because it contains sugars, no doubt lots of other chemical compounds, probably because of the the fleshy nature of it as well, some carbohydrate. Um, And so it's probably, you know, a really, well, it it is a really important food for the Hadza that's there all year round. Um, But, you know, once you take it out of the pod and then you stir it up, that drink isn't going anywhere. That's consumed in in that part of Africa. And so important, it's actually fed to uh, babies as weaning food. Oh. So that was that's the drink that comes to mind when I was sipping. And we, we, start, we went through the whole process, didn't we? Because 
first we had the aguamil. Yes. The yeah, unfermented um, ju- you know, milk or tears, sugary yeah, tears that came from the agave tears. plant. I'd love And then we so moved much. on to the ferment. And we, I th- am I right that we tasted a few different levels of fermentation? Yes. Yeah. And then yeah, we exactly. tried mixing them to try to get to balance the acidity and the sweetness and the body and like try to get different versions by having the different moments of the fermentation. And And the woman who was giving us these drinks was fifth generation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and and Chava was was blown away by that. Like my palate's not greatly sophisticated. Um, I'm allergic to dogs and I have to. But like to me, it tastes great. I love it. I don't, detect a huge difference between that. I mean, I detect differences in all pulque, a little difference. I didn't detect the difference that you did, Chavo. Oh, no, I was shocked. I was shaking. I was uh, (laughs) (laughs) shocked and shaking. Yeah, no, it didn't But not stirred. (laughs) (laughs) Slightly stirred, slightly stirred. uh, No, I was sitting very close to it. Yeah, but uh, no, it, it was... It was so distinct. I had never had a pulque that had that flavor profile in my life, not even close. And again, we've traveled a lot for this. So we've been to Michoacan, to Tlaxcala, to Hidalgo, and within Mexico City, I've tried a bunch of different stuff. And yes, no, nothing that even comes close to the flavors that were embedded in that. And, and why do you think it was so different? I mean, the obvious answer is because it's done or it's extracted from an agave that I've never ever tried in the form of pulque, which is the, uh, she works with Americana Century, correct? Yeah, though it's not century the way you hear century plant. It's century like a guard, S-E-N-T-R-Y. Yeah, so I I will think that that is the most, uh, the biggest differentiator because I've tried I have tried pulque, uh, Oaxacan pulque before, and it did not do what this one, yeah, uh, the way that this one touched me. The other thing that I found very interesting is we were lucky enough for her to have curados, which is basically a style of pulque where they add fruits to it. And, you know, because we're snobs and purists, we tend (laughs) to only drink the white pulque because that's what the cool kids drink. And her curados, Oh, were yeah. just something else like pineapple and celery yeah but uh cranberry fresh cranberry yeah. pulque curado are you kidding me <laughs> <laughs> you know my, I, my my brother-in-law joined me on a trip to visit uh, that tinacal we love so much south of mexico city uh rancho loma ancha and because it was just the two of us, and he's, you know... Just the two of us. <laughs> and, and he's not anywhere near the agave spirits world. And he's like, I felt like, you know what? I kind of want to try one of these curados because I want him interested. And I don't think he's going to like natural. And so uh, I ordered the... what? What's the Mazapan? What's the brand of... De la Rosa? Aha, Mazapan de la Rosa, yeah. Yeah, so they made a curado with that and then another one with pecans. So I got the Mazapan and he got the pecans. Um, And he didn't like the pecans. I liked it quite a bit. But man, we both just went nuts for the Mazapan. And it makes me realize, again, it's so easy to, to fall into that trap of being the snob, the purist, and missing something really beautiful. Mm. Yeah. And uh, we asked her as well, what is the secret of a truly exceptional pulque. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And could it be the process? Could it be the you know, monitoring the fermentation process? 
No, it was looking after. It was caring for the agave plants. Which, and yeah. Her, and she was telling a story of her grandfather who used to go and extract the... Uh, how would you say? Juice or yeah, the aguamiel? The tears. Aguamiel. So no, the tears. From now on, yeah, we're only calling them tears. tears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he would extract the tears from this crying, dying plant. And uh, but would be, you know, very tender and caring and even talking to them. She was explaining. God, it sounds so sadistic. <laughs> it's well, not a great relationship, is it? <laughs> well, she did say that his granddad considered them to be his girlfriend, so... <laughs> and I was also... I mean, I was very curious about um, in the increasing popularity, global interest mm. in, in agave spirits, mezcal. And here we have, you know, a rel relatively humble drink, you know, more, a more, far more basic drink that cannot travel... And I was curious about the, you know, what, what was the effect of one having on the other? What was the effect of the, this new, huge interest in agave spirits on this pulque culture? I don't know what you made of the story. Well, Java, what did you make of the story? Well, like, I, I think that they, I mean, we're attracted to exceptional characters, right? It's, <laughs> I think that we tend to interview and find the exceptions to every rule when we're traveling for a Gabe road trip. Oh, that's yeah. So I think in her specific case, they're such an exceptional family and they've been able to secure a market for themselves after five generations of working both with tourists, but she was saying that a lot of people from the towns around them, they will come and be sure that they're gonna have their fix of pulque per week. So, I think that sometimes being such an important part of, part of your community and making a product that has been consumed by generations. You're protected from big change. From, really. the, from the world, yeah. And, I, and that's something that a, a few of these producers would tell you, you know? Even during the pandemic, I think was a, was an example. Not all of them. But she's making what she believes to be a truly special drink. Yes. Uh, I, and, and I believe it. Yeah, <laughs> and I tasted it, and I'm, I'm convinced as well. Uh, it, I'm, yeah, but it's just interesting seeing so much interest, so much celebration of, of Mezcal. Yes. And, uh, you know, there's Polke, what about me? You know, it's my, my, it's my, <laughs> my turn to be in the light. Well, maybe, well, maybe one day that will happen. But you have to come to Oaxaca to well, taste it. Well, and that's, or any, well, I shouldn't say anywhere in Mexico, but many places in Mexico, um, which is sort of the beauty of it. But, you know, like... Hearing that story of it didn't really affect us, right? Like, it throws my head, Chava, back to that trip we took to Hidalgo and Tlaxcala. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, yeah. I mean, you can tell that story because it, it was pretty uh, shocking in nature. Yeah, and we, you know, and we have, I think we've, no, I know we've touched on this in a couple of episodes, but I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to reference it again because the, the other side of this is these families who have been doing it for hundreds of years and are now finding themselves faced with uh, falling, declining sales of pulque. And, and I think, if, did I hear correctly that, that in at least one of the cases, it's because some large producer has moved in? Uh, a pulque? No, I, I do not recall that being a problem. Uh, what I recall is that it's starting to get, I mean, and this is the, the biggest challenge, I believe. It's not so much that they're selling less pulque, but because of climate change, because of costs, because of everything, pulque is starting to become too expensive. And beer, it's, you know, like it's, it's the economy of scale that is way more stable. 
So people are starting to rather buy beer than pulque just because it's cheaper, it's more accessible. You don't have to travel three hours to the outskirts of the town to get it fresh. And maybe it's also that younger kids are not caring enough for this. And we've talked about, in, in Mexico, we've always talked about the dichotomy between pulque and beer, right? How pulque was the low ABB drink of, for, of excellence uh, consumer in Mexico. And when the beer companies came in and saw this massive drinking market, they did aggressive campaigns to displace the pulque. To the point where they were saying, and check this out, Dan, like, this is such a ridiculous statement. And it was such a big like backbone of this strategy, they were saying that people were putting poop in the fermentation tanks to aid for fermentation. Yeah. Which is the stupidest possible thing you can... <laughs> right. Right? But, but, the but only, the was, only, Well, the only story that comes to mind when you say that is I did, go, I did travel to the Netherlands and there is a type of cheese and it looks greenish um, where you put a tiny amount of sheep poo in the milk oh. during the process. Oh, and it's still ferment. And it ferments, and it's illegal, but I, I tasted some while I was there. <laughs> it's And it's really spicy, uh, and it matures for long enough that all of the pathogens, that if there were any, would would, yeah, yeah. would disappear. But um, It doesn't taste like yeah. crap. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the only story that comes to mind when you were describing that. Yeah. Well, like... I mean, the, the reason why I will say is completely ridiculous because I've never seen cleaner places than where they ferment pulque. Well, like, but, didn't, but didn't one of the guys tell us a story that, or I heard a story somewhere yeah. that from, what, from a producer yeah. that they would, um, in colder places, in order to maintain the fermentation, they would sometimes pack the fermenters around the fermenters, not in them, but around them with uh, dung in order to serve as insulation. But, only, but that dung, it's very, very isolated from yeah. the crop. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, the, but the point you're making is this kind of reputation that... Right. Yeah. That's yeah, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. But I, but I want to jump back to that whole beer thing. And people's thing. misperceptions as well, you know, that's the thing. Yeah. yeah. People have got the wrong idea sometimes. Yeah. But I want to jump back to that whole beer concept, because it's really fascinating that you've got this... Wow, this goat in the middle of the road who's stopping us. He really was coming at us. There you go, boy. Um, uh, girl. Uh, so there's, there's this interesting dynamic, right, where, okay, beer is undercutting the market for pulque, making it hard for these families to continue their tradition. And the beer companies are then going to them and saying, hey, we can help you out here. And, and, and trying to get them to pull their agaves out of their land and replace it by growing barley to service the beer. Yeah, which is also a race to the bottom because what one of the producers was telling us is that you have really good soil after being planting agave there for a long, long time. You move into barley, you might have two years where the barley is actually behaving pretty well, but barley, for what he told us, is a greedy crop. So yeah, it will deplete the soil from a lot of the nutrients and, uh, and then later on, you'll have to spend a bunch of money growing. Oof, we almost were in a <laughs> tiny accident. Lovely. Uh, and, uh, and then you'll have to spend a lot of money in fertilizers, pesticides and whatnot to keep that barley going. So you're, yeah, you're, you're not taking as much value as you thought 
from your land and you are without agave. Which goes back to the idea that these traditions are really important to understand. Why is it that certain foods and drinks belong in a certain place and the adaptation between yes. the crops that you use, the foods that they produce, and the environment, the landscape that you're in. Yeah. You know, so, so one of the things that we're, that we're wrestling with, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I already have chosen the path, I guess. Uh, they're looking for alternative ways to utilize the product from the agave, the miel, the, the tears. And so a few of these families have been cooking down the miel, dog in the road, have been cooking down the miel uh, to make a what I like to call a uh, agave nectar ancestral, like a like a, you can find agave nectar all over the USA, but it's all industrially made. It all comes from Blue Weber. Like it's 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 you know it's it's a product of a of a, a factory, but they're cooking down their aguamiel and turning it into this beautiful salmiana version of uh, of what we're we're getting in the U.S. Uh, and there are a number of bars that have stopped using agave nectar in uh, cocktails specifically because it's industrially made and they don't they don't want to contribute to that particular industry. So we're going to be bringing in, uh, Chava, I know you've told people we we're going to have it months ago, but we're finally bringing <laughs> in, we've got a, a, a palette coming up in about two weeks to Chicago from from Mexico that'll have something like 300 liters of this agave nectar ancestral from two different families that we met in Hidalgo. Oh, and I have an amazing care of the dog recipe using that. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to have agave nectar and a furry dog. What else? No, no, no. It's just uh, one ounce of uh, the agave nectar, five ounces of mezcal, and uh, your hangover will disappear in a second. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> So I think as we turn onto this very <laughs> awkward looking road, unless you guys have anything else, I think we can call this a wrap. Well, I, I just, I, I would like just to really follow up on something that Dan said just now. Yeah. And you know, when I talked to my dad and he, he's a farmer, I think like one of the life lessons that he always repeats to us is-, is Don't go down the white road? No, it's oh. no sudden moves because everything Huh. takes time. Everything is there for a reason. So I think in these intense shifts of the of land that are so popular to do these days, right? This crop is popular. This crop is, has a higher price. Change everything to do that. We are disrupting a bunch of balances that took decades or hundreds of years to be built. So I, I, I really think that we should have that more in consideration when we start to getting creative and innovative in the, this is the crop of tomorrow. So maybe my uh, my dream of making the, my, my perfumes should be stopped for a while. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No sudden moves. And no those sudden, sudden moves. moves. <laughs> I love that. I want that t-shirt. Okay, and that sounds like a wrap. Catch you guys next episode. Adios. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lubank and Chava Periban. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. 
You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. A Gabby Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends. And please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly. Eat responsibly too. And listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.